Welcome to Sea Time, everybody. The off-road show that brings you all the results, news, and online shenanigans that make being online a good time. We'd like to say thank you to Fly Racing for their support of Sea Time. Please go check them out at flyracing.com. Welcome to Seat Time, everybody. Brian Pierce here, your host for the evening, episode 142. It's Tuesday, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. We're in Texas. The good thing is, Stephen, that hasn't changed yet. We figured that part out. We're not moving anywhere anytime soon. Unfortunately, our families and wives will not let us go anywhere. So welcome to Seat Time. Seat Time is the online show for the off-road enthusiast. If you like drinking beer and bench racing through all the news that goes on, this is definitely going to be the show for you. I even have a beer drinker on the show this evening. It's going to be good to have that. And for those of you who know, I've been uh, training for the Baja Rally, which is actually happening next week. Um, and that has been one of the things that I've cut back to just kind of not have it be an issue, if you will. So I look forward as well to being able to consuming a few adult beverages with you guys and seeing if we can get back to the, the good old days where sometimes shit got a little loose. And that's all right, because that's what this show is absolutely all about, so we're going to have fun doing that. So Seat Time. Seat Time is brought to you by a bunch of fine folks, and we definitely want to give them some shout-outs. So Fly Racing, you can learn more about them at flyracing.com. The gear, that's just going to make your balls feel so much better, maybe even your uh, under-boob sweat, while you're out there in your kinetic mesh gear riding around during the summer. Sure, fall's coming, but that's still the good stuff to have. Of course, still well performance. They make your squishy suck less. Um, fantastic suspension techs, and they have a lot of other cool aftermarket parts to check out. So stillwellperformance.com. Um, KR4 Performance with their Arrive and Ride program. If you have looked at, uh, at any of their pictures that Frank Hegan or the KR4 has been posting recently, they have in quotes, we rent bikes. So don't forget, if you want to go to any of the GNCCs, I'd say National Enduros, but those are over. they got three GNCCs left. Just call them up, shoot them an email. I want to rent a bike. I want to race. They will make that happen. And, of course, to find folks over at Fast Company, uh, specifically for the fantastic Flex Bars. So we got suspension guys that make your squishy suck less. And, uh, and flexible handlebars that make sure you don't blow out your wrist so you can go back and give handies all you want during the week. We, we take care of our people. I think that that's the way to go. So everybody out there, go check out all those fine folks. Again, this is Seat Time, the website, seattime.co. We are on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. All that kinds of fun stuff is where you can find us. We did uh, mention that we're running through the last bit of our old logo koozies and i say old logo i don't really know if what we have is the new logo it's just a fun logo we're going to leave it up there for a while it looks really good i mean if we could have a beer that would be the logo um so go to seattime.bigcartel.com please uh support seat time by grabbing a few of those koozie koozie packages as those will not be printed for uh i would say probably at least a year I'm going to give that to you. I don't know. Um, in Denver Endurocross, right now, I don't know if you guys know, we did do the Atlanta Endurocross uh, live webcast. Um, there is not, it's not happening as of right now. Um, and all I can say is that we need your help. If you guys enjoyed Atlanta, you didn't enjoy Atlanta, whatever it is, get out on any social media channel you can. Make sure you tag Endurocross. Tell them you love us, you hate us, you need it there, you don't like us, I smell funny, whatever it is. Jordan's better looking than Brian. Brian's better looking than Jordan. We need your opinion. Please go put it out there. Of course, if you're watching live, make sure you post about the show too. Get more people in here because guess what? Everybody's talking budgets for 2015. <laughs> Shit needs to get real, people. Let's make it happen. I'm Brian Pierce. I'm your host. Thanks for being here. Let's stop talk house cleaning. This shit's boring. 
Our guest for this evening, I'm probably going to pronounce it wrong, but let's go with it anyway. Mr. George Denser, you have been downing the shit out of that beer in the background over there. How is your evening going, kind sir? Just wonderful, wonderful. Just finished up with some dinner and uh, cracking up with some beers and getting ready to uh, to talk some talk some talk some motor racing. Talk some dirt bikes. I like it, man. So, though you, as I mentioned, I do have a guest who is able to consume an, alcohol, an adult beverage this evening. What are uh, what are you partaking in? <clears throat> I got a local a local beer called from a, a brewery in uh, I'm in St. Augustine, Florida, okay. Northeast Florida, and uh, up in Jacksonville is this place called Intuition. And uh, they do this nice uh, John Boat Coastal Ale. Oh, which is uh, it's a step above lawnmower beer. Okay, yep. So uh, it's a uh, it's a, a nice mellow ale, perfect for a night like tonight with the uh, rain outside and uh, some moto talk. Yeah, dig it. Well, so for those of you who don't know, and that's okay. There's there could be quite a few of you. George Denser is just a badass fan of the sport, and that is why he is on the show. Him and I have multiple side conversations, if you will, randomly throughout different days about different stuff that's going on in the industry. Um, Andrew DeLong had something come up, couldn't be on the show tonight. I was like, you know what? Let's just BS. Let's get to that bin tracing aspect of seat time that we don't get a chance to have that often. And so, again, George and I were talking about stuff. I was like, F this. You just need to be on the show. So there it is. I gave him a chance to uh, grab a, grab as many six-packs as he could down in an hour. <laughs> And then we said, let's go live, and we're just going to see how this unravels because it could be interesting. So I guess of all the stuff that's happened this year, the year's not over. There's still plenty of racing to have had. What is maybe kind of that you kept you the most interested? Following DeLong doing what doing what he's done this year with, uh, you know, he, he rode the red and black BMW Italian Huskies for a while and did pretty well, and now he's on the – the KTM Husky, if you will, and and just just seeing him him advance over the past few years and and get to where he is and and hold it together, be consistent for the whole year was uh, was pretty good. He's pretty it seems like a good kid. I've never met him, uh, but through different interviews and some 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 other things, uh, just just good good solid to see somebody like that. Yeah, it's uh... the national. And you've probably been able to see him on seat time a few times, I would imagine, right? Or at least, yeah, listen. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and that's you know that's that's one of the one of the one of the outlets you can actually see somebody be themselves. You know, they don't have their race face on. They're not worried about what their what the next stage is going to be or something like that on a during a weekend, so they can be on here and, and chill out. And that's uh, you know been been a cool story to follow this year. Interesting. To follow. Yeah, I agree. Um, so seventh at the Sandlapper is how DeLong started off the year. Um, for being on a new bike, coming off the old Huskies, um, the BMW Huskies, the red and black, as you mentioned, um, a seventh at Sandlapper I think was pretty impressive. Top ten, um, you know, good consistent race, nothing too crazy. Uh, but then to come away from that, if you look, out, look down the line at the consistency that he had since then, just slowly working up his way, getting that first first of his in Michigan at the Loose Moose Enduro, and then now he's got the championship this past weekend uh, with a third in Indiana. Um, consistency was key there. We saw Charlie Mullins, you know, kind of taking the series by storm and really kind of just walking away with it. Um, but unfortunately, you know, having a wrist injury in practice took him out. And that opened the door. We looked like Nick Ferringer was going to come in and really kind of fight for it for a little bit. And unfortunately, he had an injury issue. So 
not that Andrew was the most dominant, but he was the most consistent. Now, granted, he also did have quite a few wins. He had a heck of a lot of podiums, which is where Grome really missed out on being able to contend against DeLong because he just wasn't on the podium as consistently. But that consistency, I think, is really what carried him in and shows that he's a strong champion because it does take consistency to be a champion in, in, in my books. You know, I've only, I've only had one championship, and it was an overall B for, like, I don't even remember what year it was, but it was a while ago, just to say. So, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's, it's, that's, that's, first of all, there's no asterisks when it comes to racing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you know what I mean? There's, there's going to be people that are going to say, well, he wouldn't have won it had Charlie still been there, but, you know, any, he, you know, he could have been, Andrew could have fallen, gotten hurt just as well, and he could have been out. Anybody else could have been out. It's, it is what it is, and that's racing. And uh, he stayed consistent. No, he didn't come out and blaze first for every enduro and set every, you know, fast time for every test. But he consistency, man, slow and slow and steady wins wins these races. You know, they're not necessarily all out balls of the wall. You know, first in the end wins. And uh, so. We were talking about uh, you know all out balls of the wall type type racing, um, the little brown jug where we got a chance to see a lot of a lot of East Coast GNCC guys come out and do really well. Caleb Russell, very he was, I was not disappointed with his result with a fourth overall. He was disappointed with himself and his result. Um, he felt like he should have definitely been on the podium uh, if not had had the win, even though he did win a couple tests. Um, Josh Strang getting second place. Um, it, it's cool to see those guys come in and do so well. And I wonder what it would look like, you know, what the landscape of, of, of placements would look like if we got that a little bit more consistently. Um, we did get Cody Webb, Max Gersten, and a couple different guys that we don't see typically in the Enduro Series when they went to Colorado. Um, so what do you, what would you think, George, if we were able to get, you know, a broader, you know, a broader pro class where we could bring in a little bit, you know, these, these GNCC specific racers might be able to get a little bit more of a program to compete in the national Enduros. What do you think we would see? Well, I mean, I think with, I think since Enduro has, has dropped the timekeeping format and it's, you know, a, a no reset and it's basically going to special test going to transfer stack section, then going into a test and, and test that they're still technical, but they're not, they don't seem like they're as, as tight. I, I, I don't want to say that cause I'm going to get a, a ball busting for it, but <laughs> it seems like the tests have kind of, have kind of changed a little bit as well. And also all the writers have changed. I mean, a guy like, uh, uh, a guy like Caleb, you know, Caleb Russell, he's training during the week. At was I think it's Club Moto Club MX with uh, where where like Nicoletti and all those guys are at right. and uh, uh, so on and so forth. So you know he's getting a lot of track time in, uh, preparing for the ISDE. So I think the the speed the, the the sprints of speed instead of the three hour GNCC, you know the slogging and out but having to reserve yourself right. works very well for somebody like him and those guys and. Uh, I don't know. I think you're going to see a lot more of them starting to do enduros, especially if they're closer to them because of the because of the format. And uh, I don't want to say they're less serious than a three hour race, but it seems like there's a lot more fun. Yeah. I mean, just as a fan looking at 
you know, looking at some pictures that popped up this week and a Lafferty, you know, Mike Lafferty sitting on, uh, oh, oh Russell Kim. Bobbitt, right? He was sitting on the Russell Bobbitt's lap. Yeah, that's it. He was sitting on Bobbitt's lap and the rider was sitting next to him. I mean, I'm sure those shenanigans go on GNCC, but not during those three hours. Yeah, that's true. So, and that was probably like right in the middle of a race as they're waiting to go to another test. Yeah, that, that's, that's what it looked like. Maybe it was during a, during like the fueling stop or the lunch break or something like that. So, I don't know. I, I, I think now that there is no timekeeping with the Enduros that you're going to see, uh, and people, and the word is starting to get out and they're not, you know, 80, 100 mile slugs, you know, trudges through, through woods and then transfer sections. Then I, yeah, I think it's going to come around and I think that, uh, I think we're going to see a lot more. I mean, you know, like you said, look at, look at what we already, we already saw this year. Yeah. There's been a lot more outsiders, if you will, coming in and, uh, and doing cross disciplines. Yeah. And we had Josh Strang on a couple weeks ago after the Little Brown Jug and he talked about how much fun he had. And that was one of the things he didn't expect. Um, not that he was going to not enjoy riding his dirt bike or racing, but he said that he really enjoyed the format, how it was, you know, sprint for a good bit, ride really hard, take a hair, hair bit of a break and just kind of keep that up for six tests. And uh, he, he said, he's like, if I could find the support, believe me, I'll be out there next year. So it'd be awesome to see Rocky Mountain. Uh, ATV, who is his main sponsor? I, I think they're going to be his main sponsor again next year. It has been for two years, so we'll see. But if that's the case, it'd be cool to see them step up a little bit. Maybe Ampro step up a little bit and uh, and and help him and other guys be able to get to more enduros. Um, did you get a chance to race any of the national enduros this year, George? No, 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 no. Uh, I don't race any really any modern. I'd race all vintage stuff. Uh, I think. I may I may start next year doing some stuff here in the Florida series, uh, depending on what I buy for my 40th birthday. It's coming up in February. Oh yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I stick to I stick to all, almost all vintage stuff. I run some of the Florida stuff on a uh, on vintage bikes or what they would call Evo bikes, which are uh, pre 80s drum brake air cooled. Right. Uh, so, but I mean, I've done you know I've done the Alligator, which is in a national, but it's pretty. Pretty close, you know. It's it's been up there. Uh, next year, though, I'm, I'm hoping to do some uh, some of the what I call the legacy races. Uh, I'd like to try and get to uh, oh Michigan, the Jack Pine, yeah, or at least the Jack Pine ride, uh, and some of the you know the Jack like the Jack Pine would be really cool. Um, our our local Travis Christ, he's a T set guy. Um, and it's actually from Michigan and moved down here a handful of years ago. He got to go back this year and spend about a month just play riding. I think he was able to work work remotely, which obviously any of us would enjoy, um, to be able to to go up there and race the jackpine. So, yes, that definitely looks like an event that would be completely worth uh, heading up there. Well, so, we, yeah, Go ahead. With, with that being said, no, I, I hadn't, have not raced any of the, any of the nationals. Man. Little Brown Jug was close since uh, – our Florida series awards points. Okay. For, uh, C, C riders and, uh, Evo riders. So it was, uh, it was pretty close, but things fell through just like going to the TKO. So, right. Yeah. That always, it, it always is weird how sometimes you're like, this is happening. And then you're like, the weekend's gone. Shit didn't happen. <laughs> you're like, damn it. <laughs> um, so. Andrew DeLong winning the 2014 National Enduro Championships. Congratulations to him. Exactly what George said. There is never an asterisk on winning a race, especially a championship, when it comes to this kind of thing of racing dirt bikes. So congrats, dude. Awesome job. The consistency paid off, and you kick butt. Uh, hell yeah. 
Um, Husky, I think, has surprised some people. We knew that the bikes would be good. They're kind of a Husaberg KTM mix, depending if it's the off-road or Supercross version. Um, it was the team. You know, I've mentioned it quite a few times. We were like, how is the support going to be there? Are they really going to be able to test for the riders and really know how to do this? They obviously know. They do. They pick the right people. They put people in place they didn't have to question, um, yeah. that they knew that they could hire and say, okay, go out there and do the right thing. And uh, when we did have Andrew on in June, I asked him about that. I said, well, did Jefferson give you, or Andy Jeffries, did he give you any pressure? Absolutely not, he said. He's like, this is the year for you to have fun and get used to the bike. Well, if this is just a year of Andrew DeLong having fun on a bike, just wait till he starts taking this shit serious, right? <laughs> yeah, really, really. Um, and he's, still got, he's still, still got a lot left. I mean, he's a young kid. And, I mean, that consistency, he wasn't. His places weren't because he was falling and going too fast and, you know, augering himself into the ground. It's because he was taking slow and steady and having that consistency. Yeah. And that's going to, you know, long, long-term long career, man. I can see this guy being around. I can see him being around for a pretty, pretty good while. Yeah, he's a, with having a good ride. And if Husky is around. Yeah, and think about his younger brother, Craig DeLong, winning the expert double-A class. I mean, there's, there is this championship DNA there going on for sure. So I wonder if it could be the same thing we're kind of seeing with the Baylors where, you know, obviously I would not prefer that Andrew DeLong go out and get hurt. But, you know, I mean, who knows? Craig could come out and just wind up evolving to be faster. Something could happen to Andrew. Maybe Andrew just, you know, is one day done with racing and Craig's still kicking butt and taking names. It's It's pretty cool to see those guys. I'm really... Would like to see what's or like to know what's going to happen with Craig DeLong next year. If he's going to kind of get some Husky, I mean, it's obviously getting support right now from Husky, but I wonder if there's going to be more of that or if it's going to evolve into something that's a little bit larger, you know, for the XC2 class. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that develops. Yeah, the I mean, the Husky thing that which could be well, that could be a whole hour long show and then some. <laughs> yes. But, uh, you know, it depends on what they want to do. They seem like they want to they want to sink sink money and time into a racing program. Uh, they got the KTM backing, no matter how they want to dice the company and who owns it, and so on and so forth. I mean, they seem like they want to spend money uh, and have people up front. Let's see what the amateur program, basic not amateur program. Uh, privateer program, right? We'll call it what the privateer program they want to set forth with that, and then how they want to divide KTM and Husqvarna up. Whether you're going to have our, uh, I'm getting off into the tangent, but the Husky boutique brand versus the every man, you know, the, and who they want to, you know, what they want to do. Yeah, it's interesting we're gonna, you say that because who knows what this brand is really going to become? We're only this, you know, we're not even this into the second year of this endeavor um and we know that right now they're ktms that with white plastic and they're evolving that way but but who knows what's going to happen like we keep hearing that ryan dungy's the ryan dungy ktm is going to be new and that there's there could be new huskies on the way in 2016 like how how much are they going to wind up splitting at one point right and being that boutique brand well i mean i can i can definitely see it if you if we look at just what they did aesthetically on the Husqvarna with the carbon subframe. Uh, and that's just, that kind of goes back to the, the Husabergs with the, uh, the 70 degree motors that had the plastic yeah. polymer subframe. And you know how that was a little bit of a boutique, but it, it got pushed under because it just wasn't really feasible. They didn't like the tank on the seat, blah, 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 what have you. 
Uh, I just, I see what they wanted to do with getting some of the, the R and D stuff from, uh, BMW. Yeah. Uh, when they took over Husqvarna, which BMW had sunk a lot into through, uh, the Italians. So I just, I, in my, in my heart now, this is just, I'll straight up say this is assumption. I see Husqvarna going to be a, a boutique, the boutique to where it's got the, the cool, shiny parts and the KTM stole great, a great bike, but is it still an affordable woods bike? That's why we see so many orange ones out there. Right. But then they're able to charge, you know, 10, 11 grand for the hot shit, carbon fiber, you know, uh, externally adjustable, uh, power valve like gas gas has gone to or, you know, EFI on a two stroke, but they don't do it on the KTMs or, you know, whatever. Yeah. So I, it's interesting. I'm, I, I'm geeked about what the future holds. I'm not going to lie, and it's kind of hard to hold back, but I'm not really geeked right now because they are. Unless they, until they tell me or until we know that there's something really different internally. Yeah. They're a white KTM. Yeah, for sure. As far as I'm concerned. No. That's me. Yeah. It's my opinion. It's not Seat Time's opinion, but that's my opinion. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Um, and, and so talking about the Huskies and talking about the KTMs and what, what could be or what could not be, well, we know for a fact that beta is going to be having a big change up moving forward. Um, it, it, at first last week, the, uh, the announcement was that Kyle Redman was signing a two year deal with beta and everybody's like, well, okay, well, nobody said anything about Cody Webb. So that's when all the rumors and speculation started. And, it, and it's two different teams. Nobody has to prioritize their press releases to make sure it makes sense for the masses. That's, you know, whatever. Um, but then we did get later last week where the fact that it was announced that Kate, that Cody Webb, who was on the beta squad or still is for the rest of this year, um, was moving to the, the FMF RPM KTM team. Uh, a lot of interesting stuff there. So on the Kyle Redmond aspect of it, super excited for this kid. Yeah. Um, I, I think it, of all the racers out there, I really do think that I want to see what he has to offer. I don't know 110% that it maybe was the right choice, but it's not my money. It's it's all assumption at that point on whether this is the right person. There are a ton of people out there, a ton of awesome riders who put their own dime into this and put all their heart into it and really want to be racing every weekend, but there's not a lot of rides for that kind of stuff. That could be a top five guy with the right support, and I want to see if Kyle can do it. I mean, he's been all over the map, but I think it's going to be super beneficial for him, especially with what Allen has been able to do with Cody um, yeah. and the beta team. I'm super stoked for Kyle on this. I think it's going to be awesome to see where he grows in the next two years. Yeah, I was I was kind of hoping at first that, that they were going to keep Cody and Kyle. And they would, you know, I was, I was hoping that as well when I saw that press release, (laughs) a good, a good duo and, and maybe, you know, maybe hook up and, and ride a lot more together, you know, and push each other. And, and especially, especially Kyle, uh, been following him for, for a little while now. And man, the guy can ride, he can flat out ride and he's consistent, but it's just, there's just this, this missing thing. And sometimes I think it's, I look at it and sometimes I think it's, you know, I'm on my own bike. You know, that, that thing in the back of the mind where, you know, I'm getting parts from Alan, I'm getting this and getting that. But at the end of the day, I'm on my own bike. Yep. And if you break you know, a subframe, that, you got to buy a new subframe or whatever. Exactly. Exactly. So 
Uh, I, I'm hoping now with with the beta thing that that's gonna that's gonna help some of that. I'm sure uh, I'm sure they're gonna be able to pay him, so he won't have to just you know kind of subside on on his other sponsors and maybe get a little bit more more support than what he was getting through the uh, privateer KTM side, which I don't even think was a privateer thing at all, which is out of his pocket if I yep. if I'm reading everything correctly. That's kind of what I got. I wanted to talk. I, I texted him today. It'd be great to be able to get all these guys on one show, but we try to keep this thing so tight knit. Sometimes it's just tough to figure this out. So I did a little bit of texting, and I, I wanted to double check. So it was like Ampro for around '09, about two years with Geico, where he said he really didn't get much support. Um, it was mainly just kind of a, a title deal where you know he had all their stuff on his bike, but wasn't getting a lot out of it. The second year was where he started to get a few Hondas. Um, and a little bit more support, but it still wasn't that great. It was on Husky for a year, you know, back on the blue and uh, the blue, the uh, red and red and black. Um, it's he. It was like, hey, it was a Husky. We all know how we feel about that. And so it's up and down to those Huskies. We've seen Andrew DeLong do really well on them. Um, then yeah. on the RPM, FMF, KTM team for a little bit, and then since then, privateer status, um, essentially paying for everything. Probably getting help whenever he's done really well at a race, he probably would make a little bit of bonus money. But that's got to be tough as shit to uh, to kind of to to run that life. Yeah, I would I would imagine I would imagine so. I uh, follow him on some you know social media and then, you know talked to him at uh, TKO real briefly last year and kind of saw how he was rolling the the gypsy lifestyle you know in a in a van and hitting hitting riding spots in between and uh, you know. Sleep on this one's couch, and of course, you know you see him on some certain some videos, West Coast videos, and that's that's what he's been doing. And you know that's it's it's a tough racket. It looks to be a tough racket to to try and do anything. You know, and I'm hoping that uh, even though it's not, you know, I don't think Beta has the uh, the wallet, a, a big wallet to spend money. I think they do have money to spend, and uh, I think I think for somebody like him, this is a, this is a good deal. I think without moving over to Cody just yet but uh i think that's probably what's happened with cody is he's uh he's outgrown beta you know as far as what they're able to offer not that they're not offering good stuff right it's just, you know he's been winning races he's up at one and two and he you know he's done well at hell's gate and uh wanting to do some more international stuff and probably wanted to get paid a little bit more and wasn't in the beta budget yeah I think I think a big thing too was the the fact that Cody really wanted to continue doing a lot of the international races, um, and and a little bit that I saw trying to do some scavenging on Facebook, talking to different uh, shop owners, actually like beta dealers and stuff, is that he was getting a lot of European beta help, but the kind of beta North America deal there just wasn't a lot of that in the budget for that international stuff because you could imagine, I mean, to ship a bike or to you know get a bike overseas for a rider be able to use that could be trashed when it's over that might just be you know a six thousand dollar check that they're writing and then watching it burn kind of a deal. Yeah, uh, that's got to be tough for what is what is a brand that's trying to grow out of being that boutique brand. They're trying to grow into what KTM was able to do. Um, which they're doing a great job doing it, but yeah, so that was definitely one of the things. I think he was looking for a little bit more, uh, uh, a little bit, a little more factory support, kind of like what you were saying. It's not that Beta wasn't doing what he needed. It's just that I think that in those little aspects, he really kind of wants a little bit more of a full package deal um, for what he wants to be able to put together. Um, what I thought was interesting, I asked him, I was like, well, what bike are you going to be on? He's like, well, I'm going to have kind of a setup like Taylor Robert. It's going to be you know 350 for some races, 300 for other races. Um, which, hey, I mean, if you're going to have choices of two bikes, 
they're, they're the bikes to have. Those are the two to have for sure. Um, so just just kind of off the cuff. However, you think. What was your initial reaction to knowing that he was going to be on the uh, the FMF RPM KTM team for next year? With having seen what the way that KTM does workings with uh, with shop slash teams, parts manufacturers, kind of like uh, Bonanza FMF KTM for uh, you know West Coast stuff and uh, some of the some of the other stuff where they don't fully they don't fully hang their name on it. You know, it's Red Bull KTM for for Supercross MX. Uh, I would imagine he's getting a pretty fair amount of factory support uh, more so than if he just had a regular KTM shop behind him or he wouldn't be going to it. Right. Uh, I mean, we, we know Cody's no dummy. He's been in this game long enough now to know what, uh, what he wants. And uh, I would assume, and uh, you know, I, I don't know really anything about K or RPM. I know that they're uh, out of uh, Washington state uh, I know they they field some other riders in the uh, I think in the work series. Yep. Yeah, like uh, Justin Justin Jones. Oh yeah. Um, and then uh, the, the Travis Coy, he's on that right now. And they, you know they had Casey Martinez, and then she moved to um, uh, to factory KTM, and then Sarah Gudish this year is on that team uh, riding. Obviously, most East Coast stuff, but yeah, I I'd seen I I had remembered them from uh, from Kyle doing some stuff uh, a little while back right, yeah, and really, really didn't hear anything. Like I said, I don't, I don't really follow that much West coast unless something like this pops up. And I don't want to say West coast. I mean, I, I follow Cody and, and uh, Kyle and uh, you know, the, the North Northwest guys like, uh, you know, British Columbia guys, so on and so forth. Canadians that, yep. that race enduro cross and, and, you know, do some works here and there. But other than that, you know, I don't follow any of the teams. So I, it was, you know, kind of new to me as in a sense, but looks like they're going to spend some money or they got some money to spend, whether they're doing it themselves or, or they're, Hey, we'll, you know, we'll run this joint venture for the net for this season and uh, see how you guys do. And we'll give you more backing from there. You know, KTM or who's Klarna, so. Yeah, there's, I mean, you, you have to think that there's probably some form of a building block to this. That it's got to be some kind of, I mean, I'm making an assumption here. Nobody's told me this. Nobody's texted me this kind of stuff. But the, I'm assuming that this is probably like a, we would love you to be on the KTM Husky team, but that space just doesn't exist just yet. So we have this full factory support team that we can put you on and we can help fill a salary or pay bonuses or however they need to shape that to keep you here to to not have you sign a two-year contract with somebody else so that then we can bring you into our 2016 program i don't know go ahead almost like a long-term job interview yeah (laughs) you know i mean we're gonna contract you for a little while and then maybe hire you full-time who's marna doesn't they haven't they're not showing their hand yeah, they're not showing what they want to do. I mean, they are to a certain point, and you they know, they did bring another supermoto bike out. The only company ever to give a shit these days about supermoto and its Husqvarna. Yeah, which I, which I thought was, <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny because you know KTM's basically done away with it, and who's uh, is still doing it. Which supermoto is still big in Europe. I mean, TM is still, uh, you know, they're still racing supermoto, and and you can still buy over there their supermoto. 
uh, their, you know, their bikes in ENs or whatever. Yeah, the EN series in, uh, in Supermoto trim. I think it's the SM or EM series. So, uh, yeah, I was, that was like, really? But I, you know, KTM's really talking about their street market. So, oh, they are really talking about their street market. The Adventure Moto, which is a shop that's been helping us with a lot of the Baja Rally stuff coming up, man. He's like, I opened this shop because I'm trying to help push all the street stuff. He's like, you go to the KTM dealer stuff, it's like street bikes, street bikes, street bikes. Like, they are just all about their, their, I mean, it's like, I think it kind of has to be though, because they have, they've won off road, period. You know, they, they're gonna know for a while how much money they're gonna make there. They probably know about the same thing with uh with motocross they feel like they may have they may have a little bit more to go on the plateau but they can they're not plateaued yet but with street they still have so much more that they could gain uh market share on well they've done they've done well in europe in the street market with the duke the smaller duke the six it's had different designations well they had over there they're like they had they first came up the duke it was like the duke 125 because yeah, yeah. It, it, you could sell it as a scooter, right? Because it was under a certain CC. They just sold it yeah, as a scooter, but it was actually, yeah, I mean, a full bore street bike. Con- depending on the country and what the laws, what the laws are as far as your tiered licensing system. Okay. Uh, you know, one twenty five will constitute as something, but you know, they have the brakes that go up the line as far as you know, one twenty. I think it was like one twenty five, two fifty, so on so forth, and the six nine or the five hundred Duke for a while. 590 dude what the earlier ktm four strokes yeah that using the bikes the lc4s yep uh that they basically had those in street bikes and that's a that's a good market for them there and then now if they're uh if they're if i'm reading this correctly they're aligned with bajaj in india that's a big word i don't know yeah i'm okay with that or him one of the indian companies already makes scooters and small motorcycles uh They've entered a partnership, which means production's going to become a lot cheaper, and the quality of stuff over there is not what it was uh, 20 years ago. It's it's quality, it, it, it's long term stuff. They uh, they seem to know what they're doing over there, and right. uh, the smaller bike market's cheaper, so uh, there's not as much between say a uh, a 690 Duke. The price between a 690 Duke would probably be considerably cheaper than a 600 GSXR 600. Right. So, you know, the market they're they're able to actually get in the market is is what I'm what I'm kind of seeing. I don't I, I may be off on it, but huh. uh I I follow some of the street bike side, so especially for the Euro brands just because it's interesting to me and that that seems to be the direction they're going. Uh our market doesn't doesn't really have that cuz they've never introduced it. Yeah. Everybody's going with smaller bikes, especially for the street, without getting into the street discussion. But right. Honda's doing it. Kawasaki's doing it. And they're no longer uh, what look like a starter bike. They actually look like good bikes. Something that you would actually want to ride, not, go, you know, not roll up to a burger joint and have everybody laugh at you. They're like, check out my TTR 125, guys. Yeah, and, and not, ma- <laughs> not bagging on them. But, yeah, it's it's – Kind of like the difference between the TTR 125 and the uh, the WR 250s. Yeah, the the road going one. It's like or the the enduro ones. Like, oh, the WR actually looks like a dirt bike, not something you learn on. Yeah. yeah. So anyhow, sorry. No, you're Gotta good, man. 
No, I mean, it, 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 a development, though, that is happening here in the States is the fact of all the sprint enduros that are popping up. I know, uh, let's talk about this a little bit before we close it off. We're going to pull in Scotty Broman so we can talk a little bit about uh, the Baja Rally that's coming up. But we've got a lot of sprint enduros popping up. I think we just had one on the West Coast uh, in Washington. I was talking to Monty, the uh, AMA medic guy. And he was saying that they had that race coming that going on. Uh, we got the full gas sprint enduro, and then this weekend is the was the Mohawk sprint enduro uh, in Lanesboro, Mass. I don't know how they would say that if uh, if I had a British a- or not British if I had a Bostonian accent, but uh, yeah, that's this weekend. I mean, that looks fun. Uh, I know you you did a lot of research on the uh, on the J Day one, so if you wanted, you could break down how it's going to go down for us. Yeah, I. Uh, uh... It looks to me from from what I've gathered, they're gonna do. Uh, I think it's like. Oh, hold on, let me. I'm gooching the game here. They're gonna do. Uh, a, it's basically gonna be, I think, three tests. They're gonna have it broken down for the different classes. Uh, they're gonna do basically uh, three woods t- or three tests: the woods test, a grass track, and then their extreme. Uh, novices will run six tests. I'm, I imagine that's going to be two woods, two grass track, two extreme. And then the uh, other amateurs, experts, and pros are going to do nine tests, which I would imagine would be three, three, and three. Uh, they're not saying – I haven't seen what – how long the laps are going to be, how tight it's going to be, whether it's going to be, you know, GP – J-Day GP wide or if it's going to be a little bit tighter. I'm imagining it's going to be a little bit tighter. Uh, I haven't talked to Johnny directly on it. I was actually going. I, I thought about getting a hold of him today, but it seems like he's he's pretty busy trying to get it together for the weekend. So I'm not gonna. wasn't gonna. Yeah. wasn't gonna bother him, but uh, I definitely like to inquire a little bit more about that. It uh, looks like it's possibly the. Oh, I thought J Day was just gonna be the wave of the future. Man, this really looks like the wave of the future. Yeah, uh, I'm really excited about this. The one thing, I, I like the fact that they're doing, the way they're breaking down the tests, and I like that they're, how they're going to do the nine tests, you know, and then the novices will do six tests. I think that's a really good idea. Three tests, if you're a pro or an expert or intermediate, you're going to do them three times, go around three times. But has, was there any differentiation for J-Day if it was all going to be one day or two day? Uh, this was going to be one day. Okay. And even though that makes for a long day, I like that format better. Um, the only, the one thing about the full gas that I'm not, and I know that both days are two separate race days. I, I get that, you know, um, it's just that I don't like the fact that it's going to be two tests, you know, one woods test and one grass track a day. And then yeah. it, it, that's like, and, and it's like, you're going to get an hour of, you know, and any says guaranteed hour of seat time, you know, between all of the, Hey, <laughs> guaranteed an hour of seat time at all the races or at, at the each day. I'm kind of like, man, that's, you know, it's a it's a sprint enduro. It still doesn't need to be just an hour of racing. Like, why can't you? Though, I don't know. That's my only complaint about so far. I wouldn't even say it's a real complaint. It's just my thought. Yeah, yeah. I was I was noticing that the the uh, that one just came out or just started seeing it this past week when uh, Hoop had posted the full gas yeah. sprint. So I didn't actually see the flyer until today as far as what it was going to, what it was fully going to be. And it, it does look a little bit on the shorter side as far as that with it being a two day, but it being broken up. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Uh, we do a lot of in vintage racing. We do a lot of two days, uh, you know, broken up between the two, which seems to work. 
especially if you can't make it Saturday, you can at least go Sunday. Yeah, and, uh, and I think it's a good idea to not have like. Works. Yeah, I, I'm glad that they did it short. You know, because who knows? Like people are going to go out there. They may like it. They may not like it. You know, I know that I know that hoop is testing the grounds here. So people maybe people are going to be like, dude, that was just the amount of rider just the right amount of riding. Or they're going to be like, whoa, bro, we need a whole other hour each day. Yeah, so. the, the, it seems it seems like a lot of this has come from the UK from the Fast Eddie Fast Eddie series, uh, which is the GBXC, which is Great Britain Cross Country Series, uh, mixed in with what they're calling their uh, special enduro or sprint sprint enduro as yeah. well. Where they do the cross country one day and then the sprint enduro the next day. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Paul Bolton's been running them. Uh, Daryl Boulder's been running them as has, uh, the McCannies and, uh, oh Jesus, the big fella from the Isle of Man. Oh, David Knight? David Knight. Whew, I had a brain fart. Uh, has, has been running them as well. Looks like it's a, a good thing. And I like the way that's set up. Hey, you want to run cross country? You run it one day. You want to run the sprint? You run it the next day. You want to run, but, be there for the weekend. Yeah. So, uh, and it makes a lot of sense because they don't have much land out there. No. Um, well, so that's a know, big part of why they have to do this and why they're sprint enduros is because of the fact that they have to do all this shit on like two farmers' properties. And that's yeah. it. You know, they, yeah. they don't have them like in the Northeast, like in Massachusetts and stuff in Boston um, or around Boston. They have all that land. Or it seems like they do. I don't know. John Day just maybe looks the, makes the places look bigger than they really are. <laughs> they look big in talking in talking with some of the I call them chowder heads. Yeah. Uh, in in talking to some of those guys about their enduros for the uh for the northeast, a lot of it's still on private land. A lot of the clubs still make you have a registered bike. Meaning it's gotta have a license plate and it's gotta be able to be road worthy to use forest roads so that they don't have to have special permitting. Uh. Uh, but even them are even those are getting smaller. And they're not able to do, let's say, an 80, 100-mile enduro and use transfer sections. So, uh, and as I said earlier, now that they're not doing timekeeping at a lot of events, making it shorter is kind of the kind of the way to kind of the way to go. Uh, yeah. We do the Florida series; their enduros are about 65 miles. There's transfer sections on forest roads, but you don't need to be registered. And uh, they may run, you know, two loops on a. Or two, you know, two tests on the same loop with a little bit of variation. They manage to squeeze it in, but you can start to see the the turnout slow, slowly dwindling on that as well. So uh, I think the cross be, between the J day, the J day races, the GPs, and this are definitely uh, I definitely see it. There was uh, there's been a lot of talk of of numbers dwindling in the Northeast, and then. Uh, with what Johnny's been doing up there, you know, the GP numbers have been pretty, pretty substantial. I mean, yep. between, woods, yeah. between woods racers and MX guys, I mean, when you can get, you know, the MX guys out there mixing up with the woods guys and a lot of MX guys, you know, switching over to woods racing now, it's, it, he's got a good formula. Seems to be working. I uh, agree. I, I think it's not just the formula, but the way he markets it. And, uh, I think the sprint is going to do it. And, uh, I think I think we're going to see more. I, I, isn't I think isn't Mark Cope talking about or been talking about doing doing one? Yeah, and I'm really disappointed that you used his real last name. It's, uh, uh, it's it, on this show. It's Mark. Co- it's a uh, Mark Cock. <laughs> it's it's Mark Cock on this show. We don't. I've uh, we don't I've, church uh, it up for him at all. 
I've I've only met him once, and uh, I didn't want to I didn't want to quite go there. I do feel that we do have a, a little bit of a bond, considering he had to sit with me for about an hour at the bottom of a hill last year at the uh, TKO because he uh, <laughs> didn't feel like he could go on. But uh, I'm not hanging him out to dry or nothing. Not yet. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, his daughter's Marky Cook, but he's Mark Cock. So we make sure that we uh we don't we don't we don't uh, discriminate. Yeah, I'll keep that. I'll keep that one in mind. <laughs> well, cool. Well, man, how do we wrap this up? We've gone 15 minutes over ish what we thought we were going to while talking about some of this stuff. We didn't even get a chance to talk about some of the points that we had that we wanted to touch on. But we, I think, we talked about some really bitching stuff and uh, touched on a lot of cool points. But any kind of highlights or anything that stick out that stick out for you? A really good recaps. Oh man, no. <laughs> I wish I could say yeah, but uh, yeah, we we hit a lot of we hit a lot of things in a short amount of time, and uh, pretty much just scratched the surface on on some of it. I know that's the problem is like you could like just kind of like just keep going. It's like poison ivy, you know. The second you start, you're like whoopsie. Yeah, it's it's tough when you have uh, a a little bit of knowledge and uh, a lot of opinion. A little bit of knowledge and a lot of beer. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I, I wanted to go easy on that tonight, especially after you said that you can't drink. I didn't need to be slugging them every uh, five seconds. So you're like, I know that people out there who ride dirt bikes, man, those, they're good people. <laughs> Don't worry. Again, I've mentioned it before. You go to the early seat time episodes, shit got weird. <laughs> shit got weird, man. Yeah, I've, slow, I've slowly been working backwards on some of those. It's interesting to say the least. Well, cool, man. Well, we really appreciate you coming on the show, taking some time. I, I loved having you on. I, I'm really, really, really looking for more people that, that like yourself, that have opinions, that want to express those opinions and aren't afraid to talk about them. Um, so if anybody else out there thinks that they may be a good potential co-host um, or even guest, I don't know what you want to call it, George, but George was an awesome person to have on the show. Uh, it will happen again. So just wanted to uh, let everybody know that. And thanks for coming on the show, man. We really appreciate it. Hey, I, uh, I appreciate it as well. Hope to, uh, hope to do it again and uh, talk to you later. All right, man. You take it easy and we'll chat soon. All right. So as we're going to go ahead and uh, give uh, Mr. Scotty Broman a call and see how uh, this goes. <laughs> Scotty is the organizer of the Baja Rally. Um, so we'll see how this goes. Uh, in a dead air because I was like, oh, where'd he go? He should be online. And maybe not. Maybe we'll just call, uh, maybe we'll just get, uh, George back on and we'll just chat about all kinds of crazy shit. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, for those of you who don't know, George Gentry's a really cool dude. He's just been a fan of the show for a long time. And as I was mentioning, I like being able to kind of just have side conversations with him about different stuff that's going on in uh in the moto world if you will so that's why he kind of was one of those people that i really enjoyed uh i wanted to learn more about and chat with so oh man people that people are uh people are, are losing their minds over here um so six days is getting close i saw a lot of people talk about prepping their bikes getting thing going all that kind of stuff so 
I'm really uh, looking forward to seeing how that's going to start going. What we want to do is I want everybody to reach out to us and tell us which kind of club team members you might want us to interview. Um, obviously, the guys that are kind of the six days uh, world trophy team guys and the junior trophy team guys, those are guys we have on the show often, I would say. Um, if there's any kind of club team members that you guys would like us to have on, definitely reach out because those could be some of the ones that would be fun to talk to um, and have on the show and see what's going on. So I don't know. This is this is hilarious. Like literally, I'm like, he's like right here. It's like I could talk to him, but he's not online. It's like if you get online, we can call you in the show. Get online, we we'll call you in the show. <laughs> so what are you talking to him about? Uh, messenger, bro. Or he's not online, online, but he's been responding to my messages. I'm telling you, dude, it's just like one thing or another. Like, we are so on it tonight. We've had very little lag with Skype, all that kinds of stuff. And just like, shit in the bed. Man, I'm telling you, one day... I'm. Let's just talk about fly racing for a little bit, because those guys are awesome. Still well performance, fantastic supporters of C-Time. Who doesn't love all those people? You should love all those people. Flyracing.com will give you a chance to learn more about their gear. Um, I saw some really cool stuff on Vital MX. Oh, no, Vital MTV. Um, it looks like they're coming out with some new gear for 2015. The, like, active elite jersey. I have a couple of the active jerseys, which I really, really like. Those are the ones that have coffee bean in them. Let's bring this up, actually, because this is really interesting. So flyracing.com. You know what we need to do is we just need to port my uh, screen over. So, yeah, it's happened. Um uh, it's got like, they use like coffee bean grounds or something in there. I don't really know. Let's figure it out. Jersey. Jersey. Oh, man. Action Jersey. Action Jersey. Let's find out the Black Viz all around. It's something to do with odor control. Oh, yeah. Here we go. All around active wear shirt constructed from S Cafe fabric infused with recycled coffee beans. Uh, that is supposed to help with fast drying, which probably wick dry, you know, what's made out of odor control, UV protection, and it's eco friendly. Um, okay. Uh, S Cafe. There you go. S Cafe fabric. That blows my mind. I don't know what's going on there. Let's, let's Google some F Cafe. Um, so with that, though. I'm really looking forward to what Fly Racing has to put out in the mountain bike world. Um, I think the Action Elite jersey is going to be pretty cool. It takes the same kind of wick dry S Cafe fabric shirt and adds uh, a couple pockets, a little bit of zippers to it, um, and I think a little bit of different mesh in a couple areas. Kind of like the Kinetic Mesh jersey, how it has different thicknesses, if you will, on the jersey in the right places. I believe the Active elite jersey is going to have on it if well they've got a couple different a new helmets coming out looks like they've got some new shoes that they're putting out um a lot of cool stuff so i'm looking forward to that for sure um stillwell performance you can check them out of course stillwellperformance.com uh they have done the suspension on my bike obviously cody webb um, max gersten they've actually been working with uh, the Dirtwise crew with shane watts and, and all the stuff he's got going on um, they really do know what they're doing over there when it comes to suspension and everything that goes on there and I believe they just did a bike for Dirt Rider at um, for this past GNCC at Unadilla, and they gave them a five stars. Five stars. So, yeah, this is going to be pretty cool to, to read their write-up. I think they're also the one that uh, 
the, the one that, I've got people texting me. I, I just I can't do this anymore. I just can't. I am too ADD for this. It's like oh shiny squirrel. Like everything is just absolutely nuts right now. Um, if he doesn't come back on, we'll just call Scott. We'll just call uh, George back and. Uh, Oh, awesome, man! I'm just telling. It's, it's all over the place. It's all over the place. Um, so yeah, Stillwell Performance. They've done some fantastic work on all these guys' suspensions. I know that from some of the work uh, that we've done with talking with Alan and having him come on and ask Alan anything, and then of course he did the 4CS talk for us, just kind of breaking down that whole system and what's going on there and how the fork kind of chokes up and can't really push the oil around. Um, they've done fantastic. Um, a lot of people have reached out to them from the show. Um, and, and gotten their suspension done. We really, really appreciate that. Again, I, I'm telling you, what you don't need to do, he said ping him in. So if uh, George is still online, just ring him. Uh, so, yeah, those are great dudes. We really hope that you would support them. Uh, KR4, Ride and Ride Performance, you've got three GNCCs left. We rent bikes. Uh, just check them out, man, and just see what's going on with those guys. They're super, super cool family, super, super cool racers, and they do a lot for the community, um, and I think they're worth supporting. supporting. So, George, you're back on the show. Um, Scotty was ready, he was on, and then he disappeared, and I think, unfortunately, he's just kind of probably too, uh, too amped up with getting ready for the Baja Rally. So, thanks for jumping back in. How many beers did you chug in the past five minutes while we, uh, had chaotic uh, moments? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't run out for another, another refill. I want, like I said, I wanted to go easy on you since you're, uh, you're in training. <laughs> Somebody's got to do it, right? Hey, man, I'm... I'm <laughs> Once I'm uh and, and this isn't a uh, this is no offense to sure you of course, me. yeah this is no offense to you but I'm not 40 yet, so I know that I'll probably by that point it's like oh fuck I don't know what's gonna happen I need the beer anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I still got a year left so. Nice. Well, uh, so Baja Rally. I'm just we're just gonna you and I are gonna talk about the Baja Rally. We've got all kinds of stuff going on with the Baja Rally, and we're gonna get your input on what you think I should talk about. So. We've had a lot of crazy-ass weather. It sounds like two hurricanes have been going through there. Maybe a hurricane that turned into a tropical storm. Went back through. Shit got a little crazy up in there. Um, have you ever been to Baja, and do you have any idea how you think the peninsula is going to hold up with all this weather? I have I have never been. Uh, I followed it. Uh, I'm, as you can probably tell by now, I'm a little bit of a, a, a moto history dork, so it's... Uh, it's a. Uh, it's definitely something that, that that's always been always been in the back of my mind. So yeah, I, I have followed it, uh, watched a lot of video, talked to a lot of people that have run it, and uh, or at least not it, but been in the, on the peninsula. And uh, I mean, we're talking about sand, we're talking about wind, we're talking about water. It's 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 Mother Earth, and it shit, shit can change quick. Yes, um, I kind of think the same thing. Uh, it's going to be interesting. One of the things is we know it's it's a rally. It's a it's a rally raid style event. Um, so everything that's going to happen right. is going to be based off of navigation. Um, nothing is is you now in the tulips right. in this in the roadbook. Everything's based off of you know there might be kind of like oh hey there's going to be this tree over here with this bush that you know but that's not the real aspect of it. It's going to be based off of you know your 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 actual GPS coordinates all that kind of stuff. So. I would assume, I mean, I've never done this before in a real race-style right. format, that we could, regardless of what really happens to the land, that most of the stuff we could get through on a dirt bike. You know what I mean? Um, 
that, that we would have yeah. that we wouldn't really have any issues. Yeah, Maybe the support yeah. side well, of it is not- where we'd have issues, right? Or the washout, I, as an example, the washout side of it, you're not worried about a tree move, but your GPS coordinates aren't telling you that you've now had a creek run through the middle of a, a high-speed run because, it's you know, rain's come down off the mountain. Yeah, and that's a good point, too. Actually, now that you think about it, we were talking about the tulips, and they kind of tell you what's coming up and where, what is happening in said area that you're going to need to be moving around. Um, or, yeah. or finding a turn, or maybe you're continuing to go straight, or heading in a certain direction. Um, what's going to need to happen is maybe this washout just got three times bigger, or maybe uh, you know the, there aren't many trees, but maybe some kind of uh, obstruction you, is there that wasn't there before. When do you get when do you get the updated road book? Uh, what happens is is every day we get the road book before we get the day, road book the day before. So okay, if we come in at two p.m. We, you know, again, don't know exactly what's going to happen. But say we come in around 2 p.m., you know, we get settled, all that kinds of stuff. At a certain time, we are allowed to either a road book comes to us or we are allowed to go pick up road book for the next day so that we have time to kind of go through, analyze it, and make any kind of marks that we would like to have and all that kinds of stuff. Yeah, which means they can change – the book could be changed on the on the fly by the pre-runners of the course if yeah. there was a problem. And Scotty's been really yeah. good okay. about well, emailing that's... us, um, kind of like updates every day as everything's going through. Um, it's just that, yeah, I, I, I don't know how uh, – there's a lot – it looks like a lot goes into these roadbooks. Um, there's a lot of stuff in the roadbook, so I'd imagine a lot has to go into it to prepare these roadbooks. So honestly, I don't know how – quickly those can be changed and updated you know i mean think about like a route chart in enduro sometimes you'll get you know well in an old school enduro for timekeeping you might have gotten a little snippet that's like hey we had to make an edit add this into mileage whatever and it'll be good now that might be the same thing for a road book you know it's like well we had to move it to where you're just going to ride two more tenths of a mile down here and then the tulip is changed so then add this little snippet into your road book at x miles and now it's updated Um, it could be that simple again not totally understanding how they create so these get, roadbooks. What's that? So you get you get an you get an actual book that you then have to feed into your electronic device, whatever device you're using. That is correct. Yeah. So they're going to give us okay. literally our roadbook every day that we need for the following day um, to follow to go between all of uh, the, the special tests and the liaison stages. Um, so essentially okay. it gets us from the start of the day to the end of the day. Um, so, and it's pretty neat. I think Steven, you've got a map, right? I gotcha. Yeah. Bring that map up and let's talk about it. So what's going to happen is we're going to start in the port of Ensenada. Now to say how much I know about Baja, I didn't know that Ensenada was a port. So I'm learning a lot already. It, it, it's really cool. Um, I kind of that my dad's super excited about that. It's just gonna be so neat. When we went out to Nevada and did all the training stuff, he was just he he had so much fun. I had so much fun. It was so cool because them been li- living in Arkansas for so long and being five hours away, it doesn't sound like a long time. But you just those drives just don't happen as awesome if you, as Austin often as you would like them to. Um, but now that he's thirty minutes away in Texas, like we just communicate so much better, and we get to plan stuff like this for whatever reason. Seems like it's so, so much easier to plan. 
excited for that aspect of my dad and I being able to do this, um, being able to hang out with all the people that have reached out. Um, it's so cool to know that every how excited all of these ri- racers are. Racers and riders. I, some people are going to do it as a ride. You know that's fine too. Um, are excited to go do Baja. Some people have never done Baja, like myself, total virgin, if you will. Um, and some people are very much Baja veterans. But it sounds like everybody's super stoked on this. It is going to be a long ass ride. Um, we're talking like yeah. we're talking like I think over a thousand miles. It's like sixteen hundred kilometers. Oh, that's, yeah, that's, no. (laughs) (laughs) That's, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to do that on a road bike. (laughs) Let alone, I mean, it's, it definitely sounds like, oh, but yeah, that's, that's a lot of seat time. No pun intended. Yeah, no pun intended. That's for sure. I am going to, I'm going to be way more chapped uh, during that seat time than I ever get chapped on this seat time. Um, Yeah, you should, you, you probably should have tried to pick up like uh was it monkey butt or whatever as a as a show sponsor. <laughs> well, I mean I did get called out by Kurt Caselli uh when I was headed to uh Big Sky. I had like took a picture of my uh my, my chamois butter and was like, Yeah, I'm totally ready for Big Sky and he goes, Dude, just stand up more. I was like, Oh. <laughs> Thanks, Kurt Caselli. Thanks. <laughs> Jerk. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you get, though, right? That's what we get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially, especially talking to somebody, you know, somebody like him that's put so many, so many hours and miles in down there. Yeah, and so uh, we were talking about sixteen hundred kilometers. So it looks like the first day is about one hundred and fifty-five kilometers, which is probably just over a hundred miles. Uh, five hundred and twenty-seven on day two, five hundred and fifteen kilometers on day three, and then around four hundred and twenty-two kilometers on day four. I mean, this shit's going to be intense. Like that's God. crazy. And I, I mean, that's what you got to stand up for at least three quarters of that, right? I would, I would imagine so. I mean, either that or you know, your spine's going to be coming up through your through the back of your noggin. <laughs> I'm not going to have a tailboat anymore because I'm going to have wrapped it through the yeah up, up through up through the back of my head, man. Holy shit! Yeah, it's going to be pretty intense. Oh. Yeah, that's that's wild. How's it? Uh, so you're, you know, you're you're renting bikes. Through a through a service, um, we're not renting a bike. Um, we actually did, we we didn't go that route originally. Though now that we're in the re- place that we're at, we realize we should have. Um, so guys like Rally Management Services, and there are a couple other out there. They do still have Baja rental programs or Baja Rally specific rental programs. It costs X amount of dollars, and you get full support from them. You get a bike. You get all the uh, all the accoutrements that come along with that rally type bike. Um, what we did is we were kind of like my dad had a 2005 450 EXC that had been sitting in the shed for a little while. Well, we were like, oh well, you know, we'll take that out. You know, it shouldn't be that much to get it to get it running again. Um, you know, we'll get a couple rally you know accoutrements and put it on there and be good to go. Well, it was it was a little bit more intricate than that, unfortunately. And uh, I, I would love to tell you that the bike is 100% running order and that we could leave tomorrow, but we can't. Um. Hey, and we literally finished the Baja Rally logo like today. Um, the graphics got sent off to the graphic guy for the bike today, and hopefully they show up by Friday before the bike leaves. I mean, I don't know. Hey, if it if it wasn't run like this, it would feel nowhere near like a seat time show, right? <laughs> this is this is this is yeah, this is true. And uh, coming 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 from coming from vintage bikes. Old bikes, yeah, I, I feel your pain. 
Oh my god, it's just been nuts. Like one thing after another is just like, really? This happens? Like what in the? Are you kidding me? This is so stupid. Um, oh my gosh. But one one little thing, and and by no means is this this to say that like uh, I am a professional racer because believe me, I am not. Um, what this has taught me though is it's given me so much more appreciate appreciation for what a lot of the privateer racers go through because. I've had to do a lot of of program building within this. Um, I've had, and if it weren't for my father, I would as well be dealing with a lot of logistics that go along with this event as a privateer, just trying to take this on. Um, and it is very overwhelming, as well as work a full time job and do seat time and try to be a husband and wife, uh, or just a husband, because if I was the wife too, yeah, well, husband and father. So it's 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 crazy. It is absolutely insane. The amount of focus, dedication um, that 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 those privateers, those professional privateer racers, need to have to do this stuff, like it, it gave me an entirely new appreciation for that. Like I always knew, oh yeah, that's got to be tough. But to even well, find time to practice, holy shit, no way. I don't. Well, know. I had seen, you know, I, I I had I thought that you know I had thought that you were doing it through a service so that you would be taken care of. You know, the bike would be ready to go and you'd be taken care of at every. You know, at the stops, but holy shit, man, that's, I followed a few guys over the past few years that do privateer efforts for the Baja 1000. They still get support at the gas and tire stops, but everything else they've done on their own and two words, fuck that. I mean, that's it's a it's a full time job. It, it is seriously a full time job between having to to train as far as you know you know because you you spend time at the in the uh, in the box, if you uh, will. It, it's trying to trying to squeeze that in, and then uh, I don't think there's ever enough riding time when it comes to prepping for something like that. Oh well, I then, I will have done everything but ride a motorcycle. Yeah, I, I haven't. It's, it's, I haven't ridden in forever. It's tough. It's tough to fit that fit that in, and 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 best of luck. Hey man, <laughs> I, I'm in it for the adventure. I'm in it for the experience. It, it we're we're you know we didn't we were trying to find a, uh, someone to help us uh, actually have a budget to film this whole adventure because as I was just saying, like we learned so much about what goes into this, like that, what it takes. Um, and we wanted to have somebody to help us document that. And when I say somebody, I mean, sure. I know how to run a camera. I can edit. Steven's a better editor than me. He does all the motion graphics work, but when you get somebody who's actually a cinematographer and knows how to line up shots and can kind of help direct things as it's moving along, you get such a better idea of what the people in front of the camera are going through while it's happening. The problem is, is now it's my dad and I doing all this stuff, and I'm running around setting up shots, trying to do this, that, the other. It's not going to feel – I don't think it's going to come across as legitimate. It'll still be a great video. I have no 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 qualms about that. It's just that it would have been really cool to have been able to hire somebody to help us out in the sense of just kind of be in that shadow and to watch us and to catch the moments that we wouldn't be thinking about, oh, we need to be filming this because this is the shit that people never see. Do you know what I mean? Especially, yeah, especially considering that, that all that's going to be like all you're thinking about filming this is going to be completely out the window as soon as you get there. Like that's going to be the furthest thing from your mind is you know oh where's the camera or did I hit go on it it's like no this is this is the last thing this is this is real life now and it's 
Yeah, it's it would. I think it would be definitely that would be tough to without somebody, and I, and it sucks because you know you want to, but dude, you're gonna have it stored in the head, and uh, you're doing and doing it with somebody's gonna be even better because then you're you're not gonna get away with you know trying to hero status yourself afterwards. Cause, oh god. You know, Somebody will be going, oh, no, 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 I don't remember it that way. I remember you crying because you had blisters on your ass. <laughs> oh, God. Shit. Thinking about blisters on my ass, just think how bad my hands are going to be after that first day. I did, like, three of the four laps at Big Buck in, in April, and I quit. I yeah, mean, that's- I'm not going to lie. I'm in way better shape now, and I've been, I have been riding a lot more than I was up till that point. So I, I'm And I'm going to tape the ever-living shit out of my hands every day and every every chance I get. But uh, yeah, it's gonna be a man experience. I mean, those there's, it's like you know what, everything hurts and you're not back yet, so you got to keep going, dude. Like finish. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna. I'm 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 looking forward. I'm definitely looking forward to the uh, the after. I don't want to call it the aftermath. I'm looking forward to hearing about the aftermath. Well, definitely. So. If anybody out there is interested in kind of keeping up with this, I will be using the hashtags Baja Rally. That's just kind of, uh, and of course, off the couch. Um, we are working on what I would call off the couch episodes. So the seat time crew, myself, uh, Steven, uh, Jordan Bailey, and then of course, Mark Cook, a couple other people we've got in there. We are going to start doing little adventures like these and they will be, well, they will be documented and they will be what we're going to call a little seat time off the couch episodes. Um, so definitely pay attention for that, um, specifically to the Baja Rally, off the couch and Baja Rally. Those will be the hashtags we're going to use. Obviously, seat time on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook. As much as we can get that content up, there is one day where I don't think we're going to have any service at all. Um, so that's going to be one of those situations where if we can use the sat phone that we have to call the mainland, if you will, and, uh, and, and relinquish stuff to either my mom or maybe Steven, or, you know, Jordan, Tiffany, any of the people that do not, have control, we'll get the stories out. Brian's not, hands. What's that? Uh, well, go ahead. Uh, are you, before I lost it. Before I lost a bit, are you doing any kind of tracking, whether it be a spot or a, a Delorum? Yes, I will have a spot on. Um, it is now ignorance question. Ignorance question to you: Do you know offhand if there's a way to like for me to share my spot location with the world? Like, can that yeah, can that be more that, public gonna, than just I'll my dad? It by uh, let me let me pre- Well, yeah, let me let me preface this. First, with uh, I don't, I have no connection with this company. Uh, Delorum, D E L O R M E, has a unit out that is far superior to the spot. Uh, a friend of mine actually, day before yesterday, just finished doing uh, a 225 mile hike on the uh, John Muir Trail. And man, being able to follow her and being able to get two way messaging via satellite. For almost nothing, uploads to uh, Facebook were just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, being able to pinpoint her location instantaneously on a uh, topographical map or on the satellite image was uh, one of the coolest uh, voyeuristic things I've uh, been able to do so far. Nice. Uh, her and I talked about it a, a pretty fair. Her and I talked about it a pretty fair amount before she did it. Uh, why she was using that instead of the spot. And uh, 
everybody she talked to and all the playing around that she did, it just, it was a far superior unit. And, uh, in all, in all ways between, uh, they have more satellites in the air. They have a better, uh, signal rate than, than some of the others. And I'm not just calling spot out, but there's some other ones that do the same thing. And this one really seems to be, and it's, uh, relatively the, you know, all within about the same price and knowledge scale. Huh. So I know, I know something to throw out there kind of at the last minute as you're getting ready for it. But, uh, I, you know, I wasn't even aware of it up until, uh, July. And uh, I've been following her doing some short hikes just for, just for playing around. Cause I've been thinking about getting something for myself for riding by myself. And, uh, was like, wow, this is definitely the, definitely the way to go. Wicked cool. Well, now that I've already owned a spot and we have the SOS feature paid for yeah. and all the other stuff involved, uh, yeah. maybe next year? I don't know. It, yeah, it, yeah. Like, that, that, and that's what I was saying. It's like, yeah, I, I wish I'd have thought to say or bring possibly something up about it earlier because it's, uh, it's cool. But I follow pe- a lot of people on spot as well. And there is, I don't know how to do it, but there is ways to pinpoint or have your waypoints and set a, uh, a timer for your waypoints, you know, every 10 minutes, every 30 minutes, hour, whatever their increments are. Uh, and I think you can go public with it. Cool. Well, that's going to be something I'll look into. And if that's like a thing that I can figure out how to do, totally. Like, that would be awesome. I would love for that to be able to be uh, public so that people could see that and follow it. And if, unfortunately, I do get off the beaten path, people could, you know, let other people know <laughs> that, that that might have happened. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be interesting yeah. to see, the, to, to, to say the least. So, BajaRally.com. Let's make sure that that's actually the correct. I want to say that that's right, but now I'm like, okay, BajaRallyMoto.com is where you can go check it out. Um, I Again, right now I'm hoping that they're going to have daily updates. I know that their Facebook page should, which is like Facebook.com, and you could slate, you could search for Baja Rally. Um, I am going to do my best to make sure that either I am making daily updates or someone within the seat time crew will have access to everything from me um, to be able to, to put stuff out there. So I hope you guys, uh, I hope you guys at least follow it. I, I, I think it's going to be awesome. I'm really looking forward to it for all the reasons George and I have talked about: the new adventure, the new experience, the time with my father, and the time with all of these awesome riders and racers that are going to be out there that I've never met before. I'm really looking forward to that aspect of it, being able to chance to meet Scotty Broman in person. He's been on the show a bunch of times. Unfortunately, we just couldn't connect tonight for whatever reason. Um, so it's going to be awesome. Uh, George, um, uh, second time around, any last thoughts before uh, we cl- call it a night? Nah, pretty much the same as before. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. It's been uh, it's been fun shooting the uh, shooting the breeze and chewing the fat and. Uh, Hope to uh, hope to do it again. Yeah, dude, for sure. We really appreciate it. Oh, is there uh, any place that uh, people could find it or follow you out there in the world? Uh, really, not too much. Just uh, I'm not. I wouldn't say I have a pre- really much of a presence on uh, social media, other than uh, you know, I don't post a lot. I comment a lot, as you know, from uh, you know, comments back and forth between you and I and, right. and Zach, which is all. Always interesting, and uh, yeah, uh, that's about it. Cool, man. Well, we appreciate it. Oh, I do know that there's like JoeDincerBalls.com, and he just daily puts up pictures <laughs> of his testicles. Um, actually, I think that's Tumblr. I think it's a Tumblr account that he has. No, I'm just kidding. George's balls would never be that much out in public. 
Not yet. He's only had a couple <laughs> beers, folks. We'll see. We can make it happen. But again, that's the show on Thursday nights. You might want to tune back in. Shit could get weird. Well, I hope it's only for the. I hope it's the the this only the second time and the last time that I tell you goodbye this evening. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. But thanks again. You saved us. Have fun out there, and we'll chat soon, my friend. Thank you. Talk to you later. <laughs> later. One of the good friends that we didn't get a chance to talk about that much was our guys at friend over at Fast Company, uh, making the fantastic flex. Are going to be on my Baja bike. Um, and I have put in the blue dampeners so they'll be as soft as possible. Um, you can check them out at fastcode.com. If you have any questions about ergonomics, setting up your bike with your current handlebar situation, they will answer your questions because of the fact that they're so involved with making their flex handlebars. They are the ergonomics experts when it comes to setting up your bike. So definitely go check them out, fastcode.com. Can't say thanks enough to everybody that tuned in. Of course, all of our sponsors, Fly Racing, Stillwell Performance, KR4 uh, Performance, with their Arrive and Ride program, and the guys over at Fast Company. This has been episode 142 of Sea Time. George and I got a chance to chat through all kinds of fun stuff that's been going on with Cody Webb, Kyle Redmond, Andrew DeLong with his National Enduro Championship, some of the sprint enduros that are coming up, Baja Rally, which I'll be at next week, which means no show, of course, unfortunately. Sorry about that, but that's just the way it breaks down. I will be in Mexico. Scary, to say the least. Luckily, nowhere near Tijuana. But uh, I hear where I'm going to be is pretty good and nowhere near as scary. Oh, God, I hope. I don't know what's going to happen. I just, uh, yeah. So it could, it could be really interesting. Seat Time. SeatTime.co is a website where you can find all of our archive shows. Uh, it's a, where we post all this stuff weekly and you know, all the other fun shenanigans. Facebook, facebook.com slash SeatTime is where you can tune in for all kind of our off-road discussions. Post a lot of videos that come out, talk about different uh, news, things like that. Kind of the, the daily um, dose of seat time, if you will. Definitely uh, friend us there if you would like on Twitter, twitter.com slash seat time underscore CO. Change it up a little bit for you there. Um, that's where we treat, tweet real hard, things that we feel like we might need to curse about. That's going to happen there. Of course, Instagram is just regular old seat time. One word, search for us there if you'd like to. Uh, yeah, anything social, we're probably there. You can find us on YouTube as well. Things like these live events, you can subscribe and be uh, made aware of. Or when we post videos archived after the fact, you subscribe, go, hey, settings, and be emailed about it. It will email you when we upload a video. And uh, for those of you that are still tuned in, I'll just go ahead and give you a heads up. We're going to be uploading a video tonight that will be live tomorrow. That is not this show. It's actually something else, and it has to do with Destry Abbott at the Atlanta Enduro Cross. So... Maybe a little bit of tidbit for you guys to pay attention for. Go subscribe, and we'll let you know when you get the email. All right. This has been Seat Time, episode 142. Tune in in two weeks when we break down Brian Pierce's Baja Rally experience. Oh, my God. It's going to be so nerve-wracking. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you guys in two weeks. Peace.